Hello. <laughs> Cut that one off a I, bit short. Yeah, I thought you were going to play a bit more of that. Oh, I'm just keen to get into the football this week. Robert Plant and Alison Krauss, two mm. of the all-time heavyweights, still doing it, still getting it done, like us. Like us. In the Fatback studio, getting it done. Turning Tur- up every week. To, yeah, back to our regular time slot after last week's special rep round edition with our special guest who's not turning up by the look of it. He's in the in the city vacationing mm. with his uh, family. So That's, of course, Simon. Thank you very much for being on the show last week and explaining a few things about concussion and whatnot and just generally chiming in with thoughts, ideas, well wishes. Well, somebody said that it, it lent a little bit of professionalism. Yeah, having the three. I don't know what it was, but uh, it sounds a bit more professional, said one listener, and all I can think of was that... It was the addition of opening stubbies on the mic yeah. that made it more pro. That's what they like, that little uh, psst kind of thing every two seconds. But uh, maybe they were talking about maybe the production value went up because he was using a very expensive microphone. So. <laughs> What's maybe wrong with ours, though? We, we've got big muffs. No, these ones are terrific. They're good for your general all day, but whenever we have anyone special in, I get out the um, expensive. And by expensive, I mean 700 bucks. Uh, let's let's just get straight into it. We got a nice message from our friend Mark, Mark H, that is, not Mark M, Mark with a K. Mark with a K. From Cowra, who writes, uh, as far as I could find, the father-son Wolford pair is the only playing father-son I could find at the Raiders. There was others that were a close, uh, uh, almost match, like father-son coaching pair, Don Ferner and David Ferner, or I don't think Don ever coached David, but it, was pretty, it wasn't too far away. Uh, there was three sets of brothers, says Mark, at the Raiders. Uh, Blake, that's Michael and Phil, both played for the Raiders. The two Monaghan brothers, Joel and Mick. And the Walters boys, of course, Steve and Kev. Now, I thought that Kerrod had played for the Raiders at some stage, but he didn't. No. I thought he had like two games or something, and there was a, a t- like a brief period where there was all three of them. But I looked up Kerrod's info. You wouldn't believe how many games he played. He was a good player. Well, I mentioned him a while ago about being pretty handy and was met with silence that he wasn't that great. Well, yeah, I don't remember. I think he was always overshadowed, of course, by Steve and Kev. He was always pretty good. He, he had the niggle about him, I think. Kerrod was like the live wire of the bunch, I oh. thought. He was the one that didn't mind getting in there and pulling ears and carrying on. I think there's a fourth Walker brother, too. Uh, Walter, bro- Walter's. Oh. Yeah, but he, uh, Kerrod played 245 first-grade games for uh, Broncos. Then he went to the Rams. Then Gateshead Thunder, wherever that is. And then he went back to the Broncos for one game. But he also played seven origins and eight tests. Seven origins. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I knew he'd. I knew he'd played a few origin. Yeah, and he had that run, upright running style, didn't he? Yeah. Wind in the hair. Dally M Hooker of the Year, nineteen eighty nine and nineteen ninety. So there you go. Showed, and we we know how good Steve was at hooker in eighty nine and ninety. So well done, Kerrod. He had a heart attack too at the age of forty five. Survived it. Oh, jeez. Still, still uh, kicking. I wonder if he he might be on Steve uh, Kev's. Staff up there. Oh, I'd say so. Anyway, uh, Mark goes on to say the most interesting thing to me was a little what could have been with Ron Giddo playing for the Canberra Raiders and his son Wallaby's fly half Matt Giddo playing for the Brumbies. I wonder how successful a halves pairing of Matt Giddo and Terry Campese might have made the Raiders through the mid 2000s and onwards. Keep up the great podcast, lads. Now, there's a good point. That was always a dream, wasn't it, that oh. Matt Guido was going to come and join the Raiders at some point? He was going to defect, but I've it always, never happened. Yeah, I've always thought about it. Him and Campo, can oh, you imagine? Jeez, I'm just salivating <laughs> at the thought. I'm 
licking my lips at just at the very thought of it. Well, who did who did Campo have as his main halfback through through his career uh, at the Raiders? Blake Austin was there for a bit. No, no, Austin was after Campo, and he sure. was a five eighth too. Todd Carney then. Yeah, Carney. So can you imagine if he had had a, a um like a, a level headed type like Matt Giddo? I've met Matt Giddo. He's a very, very nice bloke. Is he level-headed? Very, very level-headed. I'm sure he got up to some hijinks and things, but nothing on the carny scale. Is Campo level-headed, though? Oh, I think he is, to, a, oh, to an extent. He's he a very moments. He's very passionate, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, but no, I mean off-field stuff. Oh, You yeah. never read about Campo oh, no, waking Campo. up on the copper's lawn or anything no, like no. that. No, no, Campo was beautiful off-field. Oh, Todd, if anything, Todd was the most level-headed Raider on-field of all time. Oh, Wonderful but off field, yeah. What a shame, and that that flowed through. I, I mean, level headed is you know cool. He he never really lost his cool on the field, but you could certainly tell the weekends where he'd been out on the gas and didn't turn up to play. Whereas Campo, it was really a problem. It was only his knees that held him back. Mm. Anyway, that's a great point. Thanks for writing in. Yeah, Mark. well, I didn't think there'd been any other father and son duos there. I, so I racked my brain. I can't think of anybody else. And I, I thought we could get into the father-son duos across the league, but I don't really care because it's only bloody Ivan and Nathan at the moment, isn't it? And there's been a few others, but we could sit here all day and discuss that. But that was my main. The main wow. the, that that Gitto Campisi just makes me. Yeah, just. Have little daydreams <laughs> and, <laughs> about what might have been. Yeah, and start, you know, like startle awake at work screaming and everyone asks you what's wrong and you say, oh. Well, what about if Millie Boyle had applied for the Raiders? If she had assigned for the Raiders, then they would have had first father-daughter combo. Well, is that still, is it? Is it all dead in the water, the, the Raiders? Is, is there any hope of a reprise, a, a well, um, I'm hoping so, but I don't, it doesn't look like it. I think they're all signed and signed, sealed, delivered up there at Newcastle, and apparently she's on a hundred grand. So why wouldn't you? Well, Millie Millie's been around training in the Raiders club more than Ricky lately. Oh, she, every she was time. there on the weekend, yeah, wasn't she's she? She's there all the time. Well, of course, because the uh, women's state of origin was played there at SGIO. Uh, sorry, at GIO Stadium there on the weekend. Yeah, but in the week before and the week <laughs> after, she's been hanging around, maybe just trying to agitate for a. I, I don't. I, I keep reading on Twitter and places like that that it's not all seal, signed, sealed, and delivered yet, and there's still a uh-huh. chance that maybe, maybe Adam and Millie might stay in the capital. Because they got heaps of money, they could pay her a hundred if they wanted to. Who, are they gonna, who else are they going to sign? Well, and they could make they maybe get the ACT government to chip in a bit of money for the first father daughter combo to ever play for the Raiders. Wouldn't that be some publicity for them? Oh, it sure would. Imagine Jeez. if it's a photo opportunity. And I tell you what, I'm keen to keep Adam. I reckon he's terrific. And I've said it all along. <clears throat> yeah, well, I'd love to keep him. We've put a year into him, and he's uh, definitely thankful for it. He's been playing good, I reckon. Uh, what else is on the agenda for today? Well, we've got to wrap up all of the rep rounds, a terrific standalone representative round yeah, over we'll the last that. week. So, of course, we're going to get into that. Uh, what else have we got? There's a bit of news breaking, I suppose, with Matt Lodge signing for the Roosters. What do you think about that? Well, Might as well get that out of the way. Oh, I don't know. You can't restrict his trade, I suppose. Like, if he doesn't want to live in New Zealand and they were happy to let him go, then I suppose he can sign for another club for the rest of the year. And what do you reckon? Is it What's the word? Pro rata? Do you reckon they're like, okay, well, we would have only given you minimum wage. We're halfway through the year, so you get 90 grand? Well, they're saying that he, when he... 
Remember the last little kerfuffle they had with him, and the, and the NRL valued his worth at twenty grand a game. Oh right. So there's people saying that if the Roosters are only paying him a hundred for the rest of the year, then he should only be able to play five games. Oh, because he's twenty grand. A, yeah. But it happened last year with Tavita Pangai Jr., who joined the Panthers halfway through the year, and there's a, a fairly solid argument to say that this loophole's got to be closed because you can end up with a you know a seven eight hundred thousand dollar forward to help you win a grand final that you know you shouldn't really have because it wasn't included in your cap at the start of the year and you know there's some people that that are saying that this could turn into some kind of you know a bit of nefariousness a tactic yeah to to you know agitate at certain certain players who are you know, world class that could, that aren't particular, you know, for whatever reason aren't going well at their current club or they're coming last or they're, um, like, like in the Warriors, well, this is a good example, Lodge, the Warriors and no hope of making the finals as far as I can see. So he agitates to get out, joins a, a, a well, a, you know, a club that's in with some kind of chance like the Roosters and joins on a, on a part payment plan kind of thing, and then the Roosters end up with a world quality player that they shouldn't shouldn't have had. It's a bit strange, but yeah, they I think didn't, they didn't budget for him at the start yeah. of the year, and he wasn't in their plans or anything. Yeah. So I can see that side of things. And um, and why is it the Roosters and these clubs that you know the advantage clubs like you think maybe the Tigers or someone could probably use him or. But then again, the Roosters really actually do need him because. Um, do they though? Well, are they are they um what. Did they get some sort of dispensation to get him, or you know, like is no, there some? They're saying that they've got the cap space because there was a couple of um, I can't remember the exact details, but they're saying that they have got enough in their cap to to pay him the hundred grand for the rest of the year. But that's all they've got, and that's why people are saying, well, in that case, you can only play him for five games. Ah, right. But the m- majority of outrage over this has been the the fact that the Roosters, you know, such a Oh, you know, the, the the image they portray themselves in in the media doesn't exactly suit the signing. You know, they're no dickhead policy and Trent, oh, yeah. Trent's always banging on about how they recruit quality humans and such such like. But they've got form. Remember they they picked up Zane Tedavano, fresh out of jail, who won a couple of comps with them, who flogged his missus and ended up like locked up. So it's not like they're... You know, it's it's not like they're squeaky clean in that regard. I mean, that Lodge thing happened about seven or eight years ago, so I'm happy to, you know, if he's cleaned up his act since then, everyone deserves a second chance and all that. But apparently his exit from the Warriors was anything but what you've read in the media. Mm. There was blow-ups galore at training, Matt storming off from, you know, getting in his car and going home, that kind of thing. Big arguments in the dressing sheds, in the gym. Apparently he's just not a not a nice fella. Well, then they get what they deserve, don't well, they? Well, yeah, exactly, and that's what that—that's that, my whole stance on it. If the if the Roosters want to take a punt on a bloke with a history like his, then they get what they deserve. But the other, on the other hand, he's a, on, on his day. He's close to the best prop in the NRL. So well, then they should sign him for next year as well. That should be the proviso that if they're saying, okay, well, you're getting a hundred grand this year for the rest of the year, then you've got to put him on a proper contract next year, whether you like it or not. Like, you know, that'd stop him from going, oh, okay, we'll just put up with him for six months. Yeah, but then 
then next year he can kick stones and get out and go to another club. It's a, yeah, but then that's their problem. But if they want him for this year for six months and they say, okay, well, you have to guarantee him another year and you have to pay him what he's worth. So they, so they end up with a $500,000 prop that they may not have wanted, you know, that they may not have <clears throat> planned for. And then they might think, okay, well, can we get by this year without him for underground? Well, you said before that they they need him. They have... Let's see. They've got Lindsay well, well, Collins, state of origin rep. They've got, well, Jared Warrior Hargreaves is out, obviously, with a hamstring or whatever, but he's an international. Um, Siwa uh, yeah, Takiaho, international. Uh, Satili Tupanua, ta- international. Um, who else have they got? This? Anyway, that, to me, you know, I know they, they want to do as well as they can and use every method available. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem fair. Like you say, give him, if he wants to go anywhere, he should have to go to a club lower than the Warriors on the ladder or so. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Some kind of... But the, then again, the Roosters are coming ninth. So yeah. maybe they... Maybe he did do the right thing in help, helping out a bottom eight club. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they've got the Storm or whoever they got this weekend, so... Panthers. Yeah, it's, oh, Panthers. So they're not... Yeah, their prospects aren't looking any better. I don't think Matt Lodge is the one that's going to reignite their, their uh, season. Um, I found an interesting article on Fox Sports. Coach Killers, it says, ranking the most wasteful NRL teams. Now, this is a, a stat that you don't see. You see the incomplete set stats, right? Yeah. Which is when a, a team doesn't complete to the fifth tackle or get a kick away on the fifth tackle or get tackled on the sixth, which, as far as I know, com- counts as a complete set. So this one says um, incomplete sets are a nightmare for NRL coaches, but wasteful play is just as frustrating. The competition's elite clearly pride themselves on completing as many tackles per set as possible, a statistic which is reflected in their lofty position on the ladder. But counting incomplete sets doesn't tell the full story. Some teams make most of their mistakes on the fifth tackle, meaning they nearly complete the set and have wasted only one play. But other teams regularly make errors earlier in the tackle count, meaning they've wasted more potential plays. Does that, you know, what what that's getting at? Yeah. So it's a good, it's a, it's very interesting to me because I've noticed this before when you know that because the the commentary, the TV coverage is constantly on about set completions, and you look at the stats and you think, oh, that's why we're going bad. But I remember thinking not too long ago, I can't even remember which team it was. It wasn't the Raiders, but I was thinking. You know what? They're not doing too bad because they're they're completing their sets to uh, you know to the fifth tackle and making like they're getting up the field, but then they're bombing the opportunities at the end of their sets. Whereas you see other teams just muck things up from a scrum or from a tap kick or a, um, things like that. So I was very interested to read the the listing because I would I was one hundred percent certain that the Raiders would be last because they are one of the worst offenders making mistakes early in sets and making me want to throw my remote. Mm-hmm. But let's run through them. Oh. So the so best... got a twist. Yeah. <laughs> the best team at wa- not wasting any plays is the Eels, or not, you know, the, the, the fewest plays. They waste 23.64 a game. So they're the most disciplined with ball in hand, you would say, wouldn't you? Uh, Panthers are next. That's understandable. And then the Storm. So the three... The three at the top of the list are pretty high-flying clubs at the moment. Now, 13th is weird. The Knights. Or, sorry, fourth best. The Knights. 
So they're, they're holding on to the ball for a long time, only 26 wasted plays a game, but they're not doing anything with it. Right. So, uh, Cowboys are next, that makes sense. Then the Tigers. See, so, they, these... so they don't have any stats that say they're holding on to the ball and they're successful like as far as they score. Oh, I think, I think they do have those. If you get... You, you can get into the Fox Sports Lab, and I think you need some kind of subscription or something to get into the real deep stuff. But, uh, and I think this is where it comes from, and they've made it available for us plebs. But I'm sure, yeah, like you say, I'm sure there's a uh, conversion stat, you know, like yeah. sets compared to tries or goals or whatever. But I thought, like, the Tigers are in the top eight as far as best use of the football. And as well as the Knights, the Cowboys are up there as well, which makes sense. Seagulls, Broncos, Dragons, Titans, Raiders. So uh, they're still pretty far down the list, the Raiders. Yeah, but, but, they're, but they're sixth worst, which I thought oh, right. was very strange because I would have had them at the bottom absolutely for sure because if there's one thing that kills the Raiders, it's dropping the ball. All us Raiders fans know that, not completing sets. Uh, the team from the nation's capital... Uh, will likely reduce their nine incomplete set. That's so. It's a total of nine incomplete sets they 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 squander uh, when Jack White and Fogarty forge their halves partnership. Come on, you know. Hey, well, yeah, it's not them dropping the ball though. Most of the time, is it? It's forwards or you know, or outside exactly. backs or yeah. And so, what do you if if they kick the ball dead, say on the fifth tackle, is yeah. that counted as a as a coach killer or is that a complete set? I think I it'd don't have think to be it, a complete yeah. set if they get to the fifth tackle, wouldn't it be? If they get to the fifth and they go to put one in goal, but it goes a little bit too far and the other team gets a seven tackle set, is that's that a, a coach killer? Or? I don't know. That's a good point. So you'd have to, yeah, yeah see, you'd have to get down in the weeds with that sort of stuff. Well, yeah. I, on a similar point, on the weekend I read the stats from the, um, we'll get into it in a minute, but the Joey Manu stats from the New Zealand versus uh, Tonga test. And some places had him running for over 400 metres, and I think it was Fox Sports that had him at 298 or something. So I had a bit of a research about that. And it turns out that some stat keepers will count a run where, say, say Joey gets the ball off a, off a pass from dummy half, runs five metres and then passes it to his centre. Some places will count that five metres but other places don't because they they'll only count run meters as hit ups, so oh. to speak, like getting to the defensive line. What do you think? What's fair? Is that is well, five meters run? Five meters run? Well, how do they differ? So they've all got the little GPS trackers in the back of their jerseys. So how do they differentiate between like running forward and running backwards, running sideways? And well, the, the GPS um, data is only for the clubs. It's not for the oh, it's not for Fox Sports. Okay, no. so they must just have someone up in the box that goes, okay, well, he's run five meters there, and then they press five on the button and yeah. Is, so is that how they do it actually manually like that, or do they have some sort of tracking system? No, they they, they do it manually. There's teams of stat stat men that sit up in the grandstand and, and count all that sort of so stuff. So what you're saying is if they get to the line and they pass, it shouldn't be counted as a as a run because they haven't been contacted? Or no, before the line. Effective, oh, okay, so before the advantage line you're talking about. Yeah, so especially right. for, for players like fullbacks, like Joey was playing on the weekend for New Zealand, if you run, catch a, if you catch a bomb and run 10 metres and then pass it to your winger who's coming steaming up behind you, then... That ten meters doesn't count for some companies, but for yeah. others it does. I don't know. It's 
like it's a I think it's just so they can put those big graphics up, you know, like Joey Manu, 400 metres, and, you know, like show how impressive the game is as a whole, mm. not not just as the as the actual player, you know, because if they were going on actual real tough metres, you know, like some of these blokes make 100 metres a game, but they're real tough and they're real, you know, they're, they're effective rather than just running 40 metres from the back untouched. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that might be the NRL feathering their own nest there so they can make some pretty impressive looking graphics and but then I, I AFL players must look at it and go, What, four hundred meters? Jesus, we run fifteen kilometers a game, you know? Like when you put it into those kind of things. I think it's only for the really the league people who understand league, you know, four hundred meters is massive. Yeah, well the majority and that's probably the the argument that you shouldn't count those those easy meters because in in the AFL, the majority of the metres are just running with nobody around you. Yeah, just getting to a position or whatever, yeah, which is, you could say the same thing about fullbacks, so... Yeah, or so... maybe they should say, oh, okay, well, it doesn't count unless you get tackled. But stats are becoming more and more and more important, especially in the super coach era where more and more people are playing super coach and judging players' performance on their points. And I'm sure it leaks through to the... You'd think all, the book, all of the players talk about their super coach points, wouldn't you? in the sheds and um and that all goes towards it all the run meters and post contact and all the, yeah, all well, the I've little noticed, I've noticed all of the commentators <clears throat> mention Supercoach every because of obviously they're invested in it because Channel 9 owns a Supercoach dipping comp and, Oh there's heaps of them all the betting companies have them as well it's yeah it's all it's a, So where do they get their stats from because what if you're in the Channel 9 Super Supercoach versus the Daily Telegraph and they had Joey Manu at 68 points but then the Telegraph had him at 52 exactly. like so there's no standardized kind of way of running that either, is there? And I've seen people on Twitter all the time arguing both for super coach points and for bet betting purposes, try assists and things like because you can bet on try you can bet on every stat in the game now with sports tab and all those places and and people will argue over the most tiny little things. There was a huge war going on the other day about a a try assist from Chanel Harris to Vita, and whether it was or or, or it wasn't, and a, and it ended up an official bloke from Supercoach or one of those places had to step in and and settle everything down. It's very serious business. So if that gets to the centre and they do one of those tap on passes, is that a try assist? It was something like that. Yeah, yeah. It so was, it's all pretty murky, isn't it? It is. Uh, anyway, so the the list goes on. The Raiders sixth worst. Uh, the Bulldogs are next. But the uh, the Warriors were after that. The Roosters, third oh, worst. Wow. Now, this makes sense to me because if you watch a, a Roosters game carefully, and it's not like it, it's not like it's just started to happen now in the in when they're starting, they're on the slide a little bit this year, but it happened when they were winning comps as well. If you watch them really closely, passes hit the ground so often from the Roosters. Mm. Um, so that kind of um, wasn't a surprise to me. But uh, then the Sharks, which backs up my argument that they're hopeless. And then the Rabbitohs, the first worst. Wow. Yeah. That makes sense. Anyway, I thought I'd just touch on that. It went a little bit longer than I intended. but um, Well, we went off on a tangent, yeah. didn't we? But that's all right. That's what this show is here for. And I'm just trying to think, like, um, teams are doing that now. Teams are dying with the fifth. They're dying on the fifth tackle. Uh, on the sixth tackle, they're quite happy to take the sixth tackle now, aren't they? Oh, Rather yeah. than risk um, a counter attack or seven set, seven tackles set. So, 
Yeah, it'd have to all enter into the stats, wouldn't it? Yeah, I don't mind that play either in certain circumstances where you just want to yeah. pin a pin an opposition team in a corner. It's a much safer option than trying to, you know, dab a little kick through and hope that it doesn't go out or go over the worst, the dead ball line. They've got to get rid of this seven tackle rule. Yeah, I agree. Um, what was the other thing I wanted to talk about? Ricky Stewart. He uh, was in the dressing rooms for the girls' game before the State of Origin. Did you see that? Was he? He was. He gave. He went in there and gave him a little pep talk, which I thought was lovely. I don't know what he was saying. I, I didn't see any of the footage, but he was sitting there on his little plastic chair giving him a pep up. I hope they all... Uh, I hope there wasn't any... Like we were speaking about the other week with um, mixed dressing rooms. I hope there wasn't <laughs> any tossles or... or um, well, on that, did you see that Freddie's back the... Back the lady, one of the lady coaches to be in the NRL, so he must be listening to the podcast. Good on you, Freddie. Um, Ricky responds to links to Tigers and Bulldogs jobs amid uncertain Raiders future. Uh, Raiders coach Ricky Stewart moved to clarify speculation linking him with the move to the Tigers or the Bulldogs as he enters his final year of his Canberra contract in 2023. Now, I thought he was signed up till 2086, but... It turns out he's only got one more year after this one left in his contract. He was linked to the Bulldogs and Tigers post. I think we mentioned this a while ago. Now we're talking about uh, who the, who was going to get these jobs. And somebody, I think it was James Graham mentioned, why don't you just go and pinch a coach off another club? Yeah. Um, and Ricky was one of the names mentioned. But Rick says, I have no interest in coaching anywhere else. I started at the Raiders as a player, as a player and I'll finish here as a coach. Um and he says there'll be some important people at the club he'll be talking to before he makes any kind of decision, which I presume is his best mate, Don Jr. Ferner. Don Ferner Jr. <laughs> uh, he'll have a chat and take it from there, says Rick. There's only one thing I'm certain of, and that's that I'll never coach against the Raiders. I just don't want to do it. What do you think about this? Well, I love the, I love the thought. Is he telling the truth? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think so. And it's starting to creep into the game a little bit, isn't it? Like Selwyn Cobbo could have got heaps more money going somewhere else, but he just loves the Broncos and he loves where he is and can't see himself playing against them. And so I love that kind of thinking, and I think that's what that that's what's in, in Ricky's brain here as well. And you, you really can't see him coaching against them, coaching against the Raiders with anyone else, though, can you? Well, he's but, done it before. Yeah, oh yeah, before. But now that he's back there and everything, but um, I, I don't. Has anyone actually even? Approached him. <laughs> this is like people making themselves unavailable for New South Wales that would never have been picked anyway. Do you think the Tigers or the Bulldogs would actually want him? No, it's all media stuff. I mean, the the Bulldogs. So not... they're driving up his contract price for next year, maybe after if you know to get him to re-sign again after his contract's up. They're doing the same thing as what they do with the players. There could be a little a little bit of media uh, trickery here, trying to put the seed of you know uncertainty in the the Raiders boss minds saying oh shit we you know maybe we should extend him for another 26 years because he <laughs> might get picked up by the or the Tigers or the Bulldogs I'm not sure what his relationship is like with Gus Gould these days but I can't see them getting on and the Tigers I'm pretty I'm pretty sure he wouldn't he wouldn't uh be interested in a you know a rebuild kind of thing even though he, well, he's going through a few with the Raiders and I think he tried that at the Eels in the famous overhead projector era and failed dismally. 
and ended up quitting after like only part way through the year. But I, I yeah, I, I kind of agree. I can't see him coaching anywhere else, and I'm not sure. I think if if the Raiders go, if they start dive bombing from this point of the year halfway through the or just past halfway through this season if they end up down around 14 15 16th i think there will be some serious um worries going on at raiders hq if 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 they win the majority of their games and end up scraping into the eight he's safe safe as houses what do you think is is there any even if they came last do you think they'd punt him because they are very tight yeah, well, it's funny because they did that before with Ferner, where I think he's just, it was just, what's the word, untenable for Ferner. They just couldn't, and, and I suppose Ricky was available to him, so they got him. So Yeah, I think that was the main thing, is that the board just couldn't deny, they, they couldn't weigh up, you know, that, well, we've got Ricky waiting here to come in, and you're going to hang on to your brother? Yeah. You know, it was that kind of pre- pressure, so. Yeah, because you think if any club, and, and they they're, they're it's kind of the worst and the best thing for them, I suppose, because you've got a bloke who's tremendously loyal in Ricky Stewart. And I think he he actually, I actually believe him. I don't think he would ever want to go anywhere. I think he'd hang up the whistle before he actually went to go coach somebody else if the Raiders did sack him. So, But to your point, he, would anybody want him? Oh, yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think he's been tremendously successful. But oh, I don't know. Like, the Tigers could do worse than Ricky Stewart. Absolutely. Oh, that that would be a complete well, disaster. Well, like you were saying last week, you'd have to have him for five years. I don't know if you get five years out of Ricky because he seems like he's got a lot of other stuff going on with his foundation and all of that sort of stuff that he does. Well, let's face it. Every, the majority of the rugby league universe doesn't like Ricky Stewart at all. It's only – and I don't. I only I tolerate him because he's the coach of the team I follow, and I respect some of the results that he's got. Obviously, from the last what four or five years, but I still don't like him. Mm. I know you do, um, but you're you, you like Adam <laughs> Elliott as well. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it definitely, clouds, it definitely clouds your vision as soon as they put on that green jumper or whoever you follow, you know. I'm sure there's Roosters fans that secretly deep down think Trent Robinson's a full log, but they'll put up with him because he's a coach. So, but yeah, I don't know. Like, and, But what does that do to like all these other coaches that are swimming around or whatever when Cameron Seraldo's been approached by... Who was it? By the Tigers? That's and he said was, no. Yeah, that's what I was leading into. So, Seraldo's been the, the coach on the tip of everybody's tongues for some reason. He's an assistant coach that hasn't got any... Yeah, to me, he's like Demetrio or um, or Fitzgibbon. Like, and, and so, someone came out, I think it was Rothfield or someone, and said, oh, it looks like the Tigers are stuck with Noddy Kamali now, and that's going to be a disaster because he, he doesn't have any... Um, any experience and he hasn't done the apprenticeship but it's like well hang on Cameron Seraldo's never been a head coach either he, he seemed to have ended up at the top of the pile because players speak so highly of him which is a big part of it obviously and people are players are always saying oh I love him and you know he just knows how to talk to me and all that sort of stuff but as far as coaching credentials he's got zero to the and and the strangest thing was that the Tigers issued a press release saying that they'd missed out on him, which I found very very strange. Very strange. But the mail is at the moment that he'll stay at the Panthers for another twelve months, Fitzgibbon style, and just wait for a better job to come up. Exactly. And so does that make you think? Well, maybe he's waiting for the Raiders or someone, or or 
Well, you can't. You know, like, or Melbourne, maybe, because I can't yeah. see Craig Bellamy going for too much longer. But why would you want to step into the Craig Bellamy seat? Like, that, that'd that be my problem. If I was a coach, I wouldn't want to follow anyone hugely successful like Craig Bellamy. Oh, like, you'd want to build your own legacy. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Why would, and, and imagine the pressure of someone going into Melbourne if Bellamy left. It'd be enormous. But they've got, like, you'd still have him there, I think, as a director. Would he be, though, or would he just piss off back up to Queensland and live in the sun? No, I think he signed some kind, I think he's acknowledged some kind of agreement where he, when he does retire from coaching, I think he said that he will hang around for however long it is just to get the new bloke up to speed, which is essentially what the Bulldogs and the Tigers have as well in Tim Sheens and Phil Gould. Yeah. Um, but you just got to pick your poison. But Cameron, like, you can't blame him. He's somehow put himself in the box seat and now he can just sit back. He's on massive money as an assistant at Penrith, so why would you? Why would you get yeah, the well, grey, you know, risk the grey hairs? Just, just... Park yourself there for another 12 months, see if anything better comes up. If it doesn't, then keep going. Well, I think the Tigers offered him a heap of money, didn't they? They did. They, how much, and five years. How much? Yeah, in five years. So it's a pretty hard one to actually turn down, like as a, as a life decision, because you think, okay, well, I've got five years here and I've got this amount of money I can plan for the future. So... Yeah, he must. He, he's um, what hedging his bets, I suppose. Like, and he's in the he's in the best position because he'll be able to yeah. pick and choose what he wants. Half so. his luck. Yeah, um, but that, yeah, well, that speaks about what kind of bloke he must be and how highly regarded he is. Well, the, the forgotten man in all of this, I wanted to say, is John Morris. What's happened to John Morris? Nobody mentions him ever about either of these jobs that are available at the moment, and I think he would be perfect for the Tigers. Yeah, well, Perfect. what was? How did he leave Cronulla? He he got booted because yeah. because they got a better offer from Fitzmaurice, who they decided was a better coach than John Morris because he'd studied under the tutelage of the Almighty Tren. Yeah, which I mean, he, they've got he's top four now, and the Sharks are, aren't they? Which I can't understand. So I suppose it's been a success. But John Morris had him going great. He did, and, and he, he seems, seems like, like a, a real yeah. good fella. A really good bloke, and he seems like the sort of fella that he's not too far away in age from, from the, you know. I mean, what is he? I think he's about thirty-eight, probably yeah, similar probably age. Pushing forty, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah, similar age. Oh, he's a bit younger than Baz and and Fitzmune, I suppose. But um, yeah, he just he struck me as, and everybody spoke really highly of him, and even the Sharks when they punted him were apologetic and yeah. said, you know, sorry, you're a good fella. But, but where where is he now? Where's he gone to? I think he's an assistant at somewhere i can't remember but he's still around like it's not like he's you know moved to england or anything like that he's still very much available and wants jobs like Mm. he said you know i want i want the next um uh rugby league coaching job that comes along but everybody just seems to have forgotten about him so maybe i don't know born in 1980 41 years old there you go so gould and sheen sheen's must have the final say they must have the well. They must have somebody in mind, but they're keeping pretty tight-lipped, aren't they? Oh, Gould one hundred percent has got somebody, but but I thought it would have been announced weeks ago. But I think something's gone wrong. I think he thought he had somebody, and it turns out he didn't. Well, maybe it was Seraldo. Maybe, but but so they haven't come out and said that Seraldo's knocked them back. So it could very well be him. Um, but the the whole poison chalice thing with Gus Gould. You, if you're Seraldo, you're going to have to think really carefully about going and working under him because he's an yeah, 
He's ever present, isn't he? Oh, and he's notorious for booting blokes like Hook and Ivan, and um, oh, he's just a dickhead. So I know I can't let go. He won't take me back when I come around. Says he's sorry, then he pulls me out. I got a big chain around my neck, and I'm broken down like a train wreck. Well, it's over. Isn't that a cracker? I love a baritone guitar, me. Oh, oh yeah. Beautifully recorded. Isn't it? Sounds just wonderful. Um, let's have a look at Rep Brown, shall we? Uh, let's start with the origin because you were there on site. I was, and uh, 60,000 fans. So NRL, take note. That's Perth for you. Perth's got to have its own team. 60,000. Uh, do you think it's a, is it a novelty for the West Australian layman? In, and, but I was, I was working at the casino, which is why I didn't go, and I had a, my, uh, the room I was playing in has got these massive big plate glass windows that looks out over one of the main car parks with the buses that come in. Oh, yeah. And there was people streaming up to the ground getting off these buses, and, and pretty much every single punter i saw had either a blues or maroons jersey on so yeah they weren't just blow-ins yeah they weren't you see these blokes in camp well these people in canberra all the time people that turn up to the footy with you know a pair of slacks and a big pair of brown shoes or something and you know that they you know they're not they might be there for a corporate night out or a, um or one of their mates had a spare ticket or something you know it's that kind of thing yeah. not not rusted on rugby league fans <laughs> and sure there'd be there'd be plenty of people in in Perth that got a ticket somehow or thought they'd go along for a look and thought oh well, I've got to look the part so I went down to Jim Kidd and bought a fifteen dollar <laughs> uh, jersey from two years ago but I thought it was tremendous to see all of the all of the colours and the the noise in there sounded. Uh, on the TV when I got home to watch the second half, it sounded like a great atmosphere. Yeah, it was. It was really good, and they were all they were all proper league fans everywhere I was sitting. And mind you, I was sitting about two rows back on the twenty meter line, so they weren't the cheapy sort of. Oh, let's get a ticket and see what it's like. But no, you're just flexing a bit there. No, but none of the tickets seem to be like fifty dollar ones anyway. Like the cheapest I could kind of see were a hundred, but hundred and fifty bucks kind of thing. Like right, right, right up in the nosebleeds, and they were all two fifty. They were. Yeah, well, that's how much ours were on the thing if you got in early. But um, yeah, so they weren't just like the casual observer. They were proper rugby league fans everywhere, and and um, I I, I just. I think what it's done is it's made a huge advertisement to the NRL and, and made them really sit up in their seats and go, well, hang on a second, these guys are serious. But that happened two, three years ago, 2019, yeah. they sold it out that day as well. So. Yeah, but I suppose then COVID and everything happened, it probably brought them back down to earth in, you know, like in them thinking, oh, well, okay, it's a fairly, fairly long way away and the logistics of it all might have started creeping into their heads. But I think this time around, I think they've actually sat up and taken notice and gone well hang on a sec this is actually a really viable place to have their last franchise you know the 18th franchise so uh, well anyway I, I don't think Perth did itself any disservice on the weekend you know um, on Sunday night by because it was a it was um the way the game was put on and everything there was you know everything there as far as like all the food cues and the drink cues and the toilets and everything like it was all top notch but I suppose the only thing that I think of is like, okay, well, it's, uh, having 
Queensland and New South Wales, that's fine. But then when you spread out fans over 16, 17 teams, are you going to get that many people to come along and support the West Coast Bears or whatever, you know? Like Uh, if you're a Parramatta fan, are you going to turn up to watch them play Bears versus Manly, for example? I think it'll get over the line. But let's talk about the origin. I think the, the question on everybody's lips was which songs did Grinspoon play? They played Lost Control. Nice. They played that um, Thrills, Chills, Sunday ah, Pills. Whoa. And the problem with that was that everyone, because it's got Sunday Pills, and so there's some article in the paper saying, oh, Greenspoon plays controversial song at the origin. That's Panadol Sunday Pills. Well, jeez, oh, I tell you what, these headlines. Did they really? Did, yeah, there was a big story about it. You're a hard act to follow. Yeah, hard act to follow. Bam, bam, bam. That's a great song. My only beef on about it. Is it wasn't loud enough. No. I was standing up the top and I saw um, one of our old high school teachers. Shout out to Colin Ridding. G'day, Cole. I miss Cole. Hello, Cole. What a lovely bloke he was. And he was there having a great chat with him. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to be able to hear anything he says. But Grinspoon was like, it just wasn't loud enough. It should have been booming in there. And I'm sure they got they can do it. but well, It wasn't live, was it? Oh, I don't think so. Yeah, I think it was just the singing was live. And... um. But yeah, they had all the fireworks and all of the screens and everything. A tremendous atmosphere in that. And and a lot of people... Well, our brother was saying what a great stadium it is. And um, yeah, um, tremendous. The game seemed to be... I missed the first half and I still haven't watched the replay, but it seemed to be a very good contest in the first half. And then New South Wales just put the foot down and Queensland couldn't go with them. From what I saw in the second half, they were just legless, missing yeah. tackles, dropping the ball... Um, well, I think Billy Slater hit it on the head. He said they just lost concentration, and that's exactly what it felt like at the ground. And um, it was a tremendous first half. And I don't think there was one Queensland fan in there that was one bit worried. <laughs> it was 14-12, I think it was, going into half time, And I don't think there was one Queensland fan that was worried about anything. They were like, oh, yeah, we got this. Well, the same thing happened when we went to that one in 2019. Yeah, it just it- weird, took off. Yeah. And- but um, it, it was almost like, I think it was Luai was just standing flat-footed, had no options, nothing. Then he thought, oh, well, I'll just put it on here, ran straight through and scored under the post. And that was when everyone was kind of looking around like, what the fuck just happened then? Well, I thought the guy, the game was gone before that. Queensland just couldn't keep up. They, were, they yeah. just didn't look fit. I don't know whether they had a bad week training or whether we threw them off at the airport getting selfies. <laughs> I, and they had a few rookie kind of errors I suppose you know like the wingers dropping balls and stuff and it could have gone the other way when Cobo bombed a try there in the first half as well so but yeah I I don't think they're as bad as what the scoreline well they were they were as bad as what the scoreline suggested but I don't think the next game is going to be anything like that so should that is there any changes that Billy needs to make well good good because I thought who they were missing and who New South Wales actually had was Reuben Cotter Reuben Cotter in the middle, definitely, you know, that try where where Luai strolled through and then Cleary strolled through for a couple as well. I, I just think that they just didn't have that starch in the middle like um the, that a Reuben Cotter would have, he definitely would have made a difference. And New South Wales had their Reuben Cotter in Jake Travojevic. And I've got, to, I've got to give the bloke raps, he was their best player, I thought. Travojevic was just unbelievably good. Well, he's a... He's a perpetual motion kind of guy. Yeah, and well, that's, what, who, that's who Queensland were missing was that style of player because they had lots of firepower, but they just didn't have that worker. Well, 
So Queensland are getting busted up the middle in the second half. Why is Billy Slater... I thought the first game might have been an anomaly, but he did it again, the exact same game plan with Josh Papali. Yeah. Why does he? Why is he using him for 15 minutes and then 10 minutes at the end when the game's already gone? Well, it, it was, wasn't in the first game, but I don't understand this at all. It's very strange, very strange, because he's the kind of player that you want to have on there in that sort of situation to kind of stem the flow a little bit. I don't think he would have made that much of a difference, but why I absolutely think he would have made a difference because Carrigan was nunded. Oh, yeah, after the horse had bolted when they brought him on, I mean, he didn't make any... Any difference, but yeah, if you had to put him on that first five, ten minutes in the second half, I think he could have stemmed the flow a little bit and exactly. changed things. Exactly, that's so, what I'm talking about, because by that yeah. stage, Carrigan, I, I don't know, maybe Billy sees Carrigan as the premier prop in the team and wants to get him on there and well, you know doesn't want him in the first... Well, Carrigan, I think, is like he's, like I said, firepower, you know, like he's the kind of guy that will make a really good, big, strong run up the guts and get an offload away or whatever, but I don't think he was damaging enough in defence, you know, like he wasn't that, he's not that scary or, you know, because Papali'i brings that kind of fear, I suppose, like where blokes don't want to run at him and Cotto was just the the sort of every, like, you know, where you just get sick of looking up and here's this bloke again to tackle you, you know, like Queensland didn't have any of that. And it didn't help that Kafusi got sent off for 10 minutes, which I thought was a pretty stiff kind of call. No, he deserved that. Yeah. I, I watched that. that. That's one thing I did watch was that little passage of play, and they deserved everything they got. And the ref was much harsher on on them than he was last time, but that was to be expected after Freddie whinged his his ass off about the referee, and it was much harsher. Well, was, there was more six agains and things like that. But it was definitely refereed differently. There was definitely refereed differently, and I, I thought it was refereed worse because he was pulling everything up. But so. how stupid! I watched him lie on top of that oh, player yeah. right on the goal line with Ashley <laughs> Klein standing right behind him. What did he expect? It was yeah, a, yeah and they was, did give him like there was about three sixty goes I think before yeah. that, which was very unusual because, like I said, the first game didn't have much of that at all. Anyway, there's big problems for them to sort out before they decide. Well, it, they just they need to they need to pick a if it can't be Cotter, they need to pick someone that's just a worker in there. I don't know who they're going to get. Well, I suppose put Papali on for more minutes, and um, that's all they got to do. And yeah. I would change. I would Murray Tolongi had a unhappy game. I'd I'd pull him out and put uh, Corey Oates in. Yeah, well, that's because Corey was there. He was in the squad. He was eighteenth um, man. Yeah, and. If they're going to keep Burton, which I suggest they will, then you should have seen those kicks live. <laughs> like, they were just unbelievable. I don't know how anyone catches any of those kicks. And they started aiming him down towards Murray's side. And you can't blame the kid. Like, it, 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 they were just, it was just ridiculous. Like That's um, making me sad, you know, because every kid in the world now is is going to want to practice those uh, Matt Burton style kicks and it saddens me I'm not a I'm not a rugby league purist by any stretch of the imagination but it's I've I've noticed that as in the last couple of years the kicking for space has gone out of the game the tactical kicking where you find you find the grass and you you uh Jack Whiten on his day is the best at it I reckon yeah it turns big fellas around and yeah, like and, and put it down it in the, the corner, corners. chase hard and pin him down <clears throat> rather than playing for a mistake. And I know it's a good tactic, but, but on a percentage basis, how many of those do you reckon get dropped? How many got dropped on... Well, and the problem is it's the crucial ones. It's the ones where 
you really can't afford to drop him, and then they do. Yeah, you know, and that's I, I agree with you. It's just a crapshoot. It's just you throw you throw the dice and you rely on someone else making a mistake. But that's fair enough. That's fair enough, and but, they've been doing it forever. But like, um, you know, like like teams sitting back waiting for the mistake. That's fair enough. But yeah, I agree with you. Like, it, it's kind of the finer sort of art of kicking has gone out of the game. Yeah, a well, bit. How, like you don't see it anymore. You do occasionally. Um, you know, a hooker darting out a dummy half and drilling a you know a big 60, 70 meter kick down into the corner. I love seeing that kind of thing on an early tackle, especially. But yeah. now, now it's just bomb after bomb after bomb. Well, and it's funny because Queensland—that's how Queensland were kicking, and it was ineffective. That's that's what Cherry yeah, Evans well, was doing, and it was so ineffective because they always had one or two people back there to get it, and yeah, um, and he I'm was putting zero wrong. pressure on him. So, I, I, just from my point of view, I'd like. I, yeah, it I was can definitely see. New South Wales and Queensland kicking game was definitely different, and I think New South Wales kicking game had a lot to do with their win and such a big win. So. I can just see the way that the game's going; it's making me sad. Anyway, oh, well. uh, New Zealand and Tonga, Mate Maa Tonga. I thought this was going to be a, a better game than it was. Tonga just didn't compete, and their team on paper seemed like it was going to be well in the fight, but New Zealand just ran roughshod. Well, New Zealand got a side that could beat Australia, I reckon. Like, when you look at that team, it was a pretty handy bloody team. So, I don't think anyone would have got near them, even Australia, in my opinion. I agree. There was another sin bin in this one. Uh, Tua Pilotu from the Manly Kid for Tonga, he got he got binned in the 28th minute. Not that it made too much of a difference. I think they did score one try while he was off. Jordan Rapinar, I think, went over. Um, oh, no, hang on. It was Mulatalo. I think. Yeah, Mulatalo was, yeah. Who, to his credit, I don't like him, but he had a great game. Jerome Hughes just steered him around as Jerome Hughes does. Uh, Jordan Rapinoe was amazing. He was fantastic. Kicked four from four and a penalty goal to boot. Yeah, very unusual in that he doesn't even kick for the Raiders, but yeah, he was their first string. Well, he's not that good a kicker, right? No. He just had a good night. Um, But yeah, like I said, Tonga, I don't know whether it was a a weird uh, game plan that they had or... Whatever, but I don't know. They just kind of didn't didn't seem like they were in the event from the from the very off. Because let's face it, their team. Well, the halves. We did say last week that the halves were going to be the difference, and I don't think they were. To, uh, really, I, I thought their forwards just didn't name up, and yeah, they've got well, some big names in there. Well, Fisher Harris and Tarpany in the in their New Zealand side just ran right. I thought. And um, yeah, then you got the two halves being creative, and then some good hard work and outside backs. Like they got a pretty good little recipe there for a good footy team. So not much Tonga could do, I thought. It was a bit disappointing, to yeah. be honest. Uh, the next game was Samoa versus Cook Islands, which I think everybody kind of expected this one. Samoa were were brilliant, really yeah. good game to watch. This one um, from a one sided perspective, just to to watch the the skills on offer. Um, Anthony Milford played well. David Nofaluma had a great game. He was, I think he was man of the match. Oh, yeah. Well, he My scored man. three tries, did he? Three did he? or four tries, I think, Nofaluma eventually, yeah. So, uh, yeah, huge game from him. The best bit about these internationals was that if you watch the right channel, and then this time, to my chagrin, it was bloody Channel 9 had the proper pronunciations the kiwi commentators and the pacifica commentators who were saying the surnames like i'd never heard before if you had it if you had the misfortune to tune into fox sports and got brenton speed 
then um and I think was it this one that had I think this one might have had Spud Carroll. I don't know. Anyway, it was disgraceful. But it turns out you say Isaac Tago or Targo from the Panthers, you say Tungle. Tungle. Yeah. 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 Remember Joe Nullivau and everybody used to go, you don't say Nullivau, he's got a G at the front of his name. Yeah. It was spelled Galaveo or something phonetically, but this is a similar. The G is pronounced mm. Mm. Yeah, Isaac Tungle. I'll, I'll be interested to see if anybody pronounces it that way in the NRL now because it, it was a clear. Um, and there was other ones that I was really interested in. Oh, they in. won't because like those um, Kiwi commentators have always said it right and we would always go, oh, wow, listen to how he's pronouncing that as if it was like just a special way that they did it, but it was actually <laughs> the proper way to do it. Exactly. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I haven't got much to say about that one. It was, it was, I kind of only had one eye on it, to be honest. But um, it, it wasn't a very good game. It was pretty boring, I thought. Well, it like, went it for, seemed to go forever. Yeah, it went for so long. But it, like the, the tries that Samoa scored were, were good. You know, it was a good quality team and um, they got it done. But the best game, I thought, of the whole weekend was Papua New Guinea versus Fiji. Oh, this is a beauty. And I picked Papua New Guinea, I'm pretty sure, if we go back to the tapes. Did you? I did. I didn't. I picked Fiji. I thought Well, I think everyone did. I thought, But, um, yeah, P&G just got that kind of brand of footy where you never know what's going to happen. And Jeez, they were good. Oh, <laughs> pa- unreal. Passionate. Yeah, they were unreal. And... Um, some real good defensive. They're they're five eighth. Let me just look up who their five eighth is because um, PNG's five eighth. He did not let anything past him, and he was. Um, oh, was it Laybutt? Laybutt, yeah. yeah. And he was aimed up against um, Kikau, and he he just didn't give. And and so hopefully all the NRL coaches were at home watching that because that's how you play um, Kikau. Well, Kikau phoned it in. I reckon. Well, I reckon no, he was I hopeless. thought. I, yeah, but uh, no, but that's the thing is, I thought that he was actually having a real good go. He's just getting frustrated. Because Laybutt wouldn't let anything past him. Oh, okay. It was it was um, him and number twelve um, Nixon Putt. No, it wasn't Nixon Putt. Actually, it must have been the other kid, uh, blonde-haired fella. Oh, Dan Russell. Sorry, number eleven. He was unreal. He was good. Unreal. Actually, yeah. And uh, of course, Fiji. We've uncovered another superstar in the making in um, Taruva. Yeah. Who signed with the Panthers, unfortunately. But, um, geez, he was a standout. That kid, far out. At, uh, fullback there. So if you watch the game, you'll know what I'm talking about. He was unreal. For Fiji, yeah, not for Papua Yeah, New for Guinea. Fiji, I mean, on the other side, yeah. Um, yeah, they had a pretty star-studded team, Fiji, and just couldn't get it done against that. There's a fair few unknowns in the PNG team, but they did have some, you know, like Justin Ollam and David Mead. Alex Johnston at fullback, but David Mead picked up his uh, try in his final yeah. rep game. It was great to see that. Oh, hasn't he been a great servant for rugby league, David Mead? And he's um, finishing up rep footy after that. Justin Olam was fantastic, and as was uh, Lachlan Lamb, I thought, as well. Lachlan Lamb had a great game. And if I was a Roosters, Roosters, you got to be looking at him. you got to be looking at him. I want to give that ref a rap too. I mentioned him last week, Todd Smith, the runger. He was fantastic. <laughs> Jeez, he's a good ref. He is a good he's ref. He's my favourite. Good on you, Todd. Well done, mate.
forgot to mention that I went shopping. It was my wife's birthday, so I said, okay, I'll take you out shopping. We'll go out and have some lunch. We put the kids into school and daycare, and off we went. And uh, I did really well out of it. Not your birthday. No, I know. And isn't that the way? The time when you're not looking for new jeans and new jumpers, that's when they all oh, just come Oh, did you spruce your side in even notice? Jeez, I look good. I look taller <laughs> and I look slimmer. I've got new shoes, new sneakers oh, that I'm actually jeans. wearing. And I've got um, skinny jeans. They're the jogger types. Oh, they're, they're your favourite. You love yeah, a jean yeah. tracksuit Oh, combo. yeah, absolutely. And um, <laughs> yeah, they're just screaming at me. And I was like, oh, no, no, I've got to be shopping for my wife. And she's so, she's so good. She said, well... You need to find some clothes for yourself, and uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that it's now. I'm fine. You have a little look around. I'll go look at the perfumes. And geez, I did. I got well. some new clothes new last jumpers. week. I got this. Oh yeah, I got my Lacoste hoodie, and I got a pair of nudie jeans. I'm not wearing them at the moment, but um, I was very, very proud of myself. The size I managed to squeeze myself oh, what into. Size twenty eight. Uh, Thirty one. And I used to be a 42. Gee whiz. Really? Okay. Yeah, well, I looked at them on the, on the rack and I thought, oh, they're not going to fit. And I, <laughs> and I did a little fist bump in the change room and went, yes. And then I took them to the lady at the counter and, um, and she said, oh, that's a very good price on nudie. They never go on sale. They're a Japanese denim brand for those una- unacquainted with the fashion. Well, I'm in the industry stuff. In- <laughs> industry clothes. And oh, I'm industry with the IE. I'm usually a 36, but I had to go up a 38 oh. for these ones because they're very slim. But the man told me, he said, they're they're actually this season, he said, they're a little bit tighter <laughs> than... So if you're a 34, go to a 36. Oh. Where'd you get them? Maya. Oh, I hate Maya. They're on, they're, they're on my list. Oh, no. See, I like their because well, you they can just make, go non-stop. You, you got everything there. David Jones. Oh, That's no, the we'll see the David Jones store. is a bit run down where I go, the Karen up. No, Shout I love it in there. Up. That's where I was. That's where I got my nudies. Well, isn't that nice that there's diversity? Well, Maya won't re- <laughs> we refund a busted microwave after oh. they make you to drive to Clarkson to get a bloke to look at it. Well, that's why you buy your microwaves from bloody Kmart, mate. Well, I don't know why I bought it from mine, but Big that's w. beside the point. Big W is a good appliance store. That's why I buy kettles, toasters. NRL finally res- uh, uh, returns. returns to some normalcy this week before uh, next week when we've got another buy round and everybody's week week gets ruined again. But then it'll be plain sailing from there on in. But round 16 this week kicks off tonight at Four Pines Brookvale Park, Seagulls versus Storm. For the Seagulls, Sean Kepi moves to the starting side. Taniela Paseca joins the bench. Uh, recovering from the knee injury, Paseca's been 18th man for Manly for the last two matches, but he gets a run this week courtesy of Des. Thank you very much, Des. Ben Trebojevic listed as 18th man. He needs a return from that shocking shoulder injury he uh, caught a few weeks ago. For the Storm, Cameron Munster's out. Uh, shoulder injury he got in Origin 2 from a, a bit of a cheap shot from, who was it? Oh yeah, I saw that. It wasn't yeah, it wasn't a very good tackle that, and there was a couple of them actually. Well, he got off because yeah. they said, "Oh no, he was just looking for a place," and a teammate got in the way. But it looked like a shoulder charge to me. Anyway, uh, he's going to miss this one. Nick Meany goes from fullback to five eighth, and Ryan Pappenhausen comes back, so they don't really lose much, and he goes to the fullback position. Felice Kafusi misses the game for family <laughs> reasons. He's flown to the USA to be with his father, father Taniella, who's in hospital in Los Angeles. Uh, and Chris Lewis moves into the starting side along with Josh King. Well, 
Storm didn't really have a a lot of um, the Storm players were playing on the weekend, weren't they? But then I suppose you could say the same thing about Manly. They had a lot of rep players in Samoa and Tonga et al. So, yeah, they're not... It's not like they had a rest, either of these teams. So, hmm, I'm going to go Melbourne. Although this is the kind of one that Manly could win. Kieran Foran's been playing good. Cherry Evans will be smarting over the weekend, over Sunday. If Manly are going to beat the Storm, it'll be now. But I don't think it will be. Melbourne? Melbourne. Me too. Excuse me. Uh, Friday, first game at Newcastle Marathon, McDonald Jones, Knights versus Titans. For the ninth star, fullback Kalen Pong is out after uh, Category 1 concussion in Origin 2 from another kind of cheapish shot from uh, Klezer. Yeah, that was the other one. Uh, but got off. Uh, his place is to be taken by Tex Hoy. I like Tex lately. Tex is off. He's going to Super League, I believe, next year. Yeah, he's been a bit maligned, but I watched him in, a, I think it was a Reggie's game yeah. a couple of weeks ago, and he's pretty good. Daniel Saifiti and... Bradman Best are both listed in the reserves. Could come in, but probably not. For the Titans, David Fafita returns via the bench for his first game since round 12. Kevin Proctor and Corey Thompson are uh, listed among the reserves as they are a return to action. I, I think I think Corey Thompson is okay, but Kevin Proctor probably another week. But I don't think they need him anyway. But in a well, they need something in an absolute blowout. When I read the teams on Tuesday. I thought I was looking for the Titans one because I thought they're they're going to have a heap of unknowns in this team because surely Justin Holbrook's got to do something to get them off the bottom of the ladder. But to my dismay, it was exactly the same as the week before last. Yeah, very strange. And these two coaches that should their necks should be on the chopping block. You would imagine O'Brien and Holbrook, but yeah, not a peep. Well, especially with O'Brien, like how's he escaping the scrutiny? Anyway, jeez, uh, I can't see either side winning this. <laughs> I, this is my special. I, Titans are absolute specials for this game. You reckon? Oh, no no Ponga equals no Knights. Oh, okay. Well, I'm starting to think that maybe they go all right without him, but I've got absolutely nothing to back that up with. I'm going to go Knights. There you go. Done. Uh, second game, Friday, Panthers-Roosters at Blue Balls. Blue Bet. Panther Park. <laughs> Panthers, Nathan Cleary, Jerome Luai, Brian Toto, Stephen Crichton, Liam Martin, Isaiah Yo, Appy Co- Now, here's, a, here's one. I was listening to the ABC commentary, and Andrew Moore says, Karoya Sow. Oh. But I don't it, see how that's right. I've heard it pronounced like that before. Well, Maybe there's no. Andrew Moore, but I don't think that's right. Well, I, I get Karoya Sow, but there's no ah uh in between the Karoya and the Sow. So. What what should we say? Coruscant? Yeah. Coruscant. Coruscant. Uh, Uppy. Have all been named to back up from Origin 2. Listen among the reserves and back up number seven, Sean O'Sullivan, who signed a, a deal with the Dolphins this week. He did. They were He was their man too. They actively oh, went after him. Yeah, right. 
<laughs> he's the worst <laughs> halfback in the comp. I don't. He, he well, won a couple of games. He, yeah, he's done pretty good when Claire's has been out. But yeah, but yeah. you've got the Panthers around you. How's he going to go with the Dolphins around him? Well, oh, target. Geez. And you know his father's the recruitment manager up there. It stinks. Oh, yeah, the bloody Dolphins have got nothing. But yeah, they're trumpeting it as this great signing and how they were they were targeting him and everything. They just picked up. They they they're getting to the stage where they're getting who's left. Oh, yeah, and paying overs for them. So, yeah, yeah poor old Dolphins. they got nothing. Uh, Matt Eisenhuth and Chris Smith are also on the reserves bench. Should Ivan decide any of his rep stars need a bit of a blow? Uh, for the Roosters, playmaker Luke Keery's being rested again because the Roosters are so tough on concussion but so very loose on uh, criminals. So Sam Walker will play halfback and Drew Hutchison slotting in at 5'8". Well, here's a perfect opportunity for him to put Lachlan Lamb in and see how he goes because, bloody hell, well, they they've got that. to do something. Well, Lamb's on the reserve bench, but... Oh, they tried Lockie. They don't like him. They tried Sean O'Sullivan too. Didn't like him. They tried um, uh, Flyblown Jr. Didn't got, like him. Surely he's got to do something. He's got to do something because Drew Hutchinson is a new answer. But anyway, well, what do I know? Victor Radley returns from injury <clears throat> at lock and Nat Butcher goes to the bench after he got absolutely KO'd last week. So they're so serious on uh, concussions that they'll let Nat play but not Luke. And Daniel Saluka Fafita... Um, is 18th man. Panthers. Panthers. <laughs> they're on the... They're, like I said before, the Roosters are really uh, on the slide. What is, what happens? Well, so if, if they lose, which I think they will, and if Manly lose, they're both out of the eight if the Raiders beat the Saints. Well, the Roosters are out of the eight as it stands, aren't they? Yeah, they're well, ninth. they're ninth and the Sea Eagles are 10th, but this would be their chance to get back into the eight. But if, if, if these results go that way, then they're well outside the eight. Both teams, Manly and Roosters. So And the Raiders will still be. Well, no, the Raiders will be in because they'll have pushed um, St. George out because they're playing St. George. St. George are eighth. Because it's only just, I think they're all on the same points. I don't think any of these teams deserve to be in the No, eight. but that's, yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, none of them should be, should maybe just go back to the top four. <laughs> top six. Top anyway. five, it used to oh, be. Oh, five, sorry, yeah. Uh, Saturday, first game, is it? Yeah, first yeah, game. Bulldog Sharks. At Combank Stadium. Coach Mick Potter for the Dogs stuck with the same 17 that took care of the Tigers. Um, but he'll miss the match because he's got COVID. Matt mm. Burton is expected. I think Dave Ferner takes over as head coach while in the absence of Potsy. Oh, he would. Matt yeah. Burton's expected to back up, and Kurt Moran's been named on the bench despite suffering a, suffering a shoulder injury. Why aren't the Tigers looking at David Ferner? No, he's a forgotten, or the Bulldogs. forgotten man. Or the it? Bulldogs. He's got first grade experience. You what know about what? Neil Henry? I don't think. I don't think David Ferner wants to be a head coach no. again because he's never heard or seen in the media, not like Flyblown. pretty good assistant. He was assistant up at Souths, I believe, and then maybe North Queensland as well. But um, I noticed the, the uh, Fox Sports crew have laid off the constant spruiking of Shane Flanagan. Uh, he must have finally seen the writing on the wall. And mind you, I'm on an NRL 360 band. I'm not watching it anymore. Well, I never watch it. No, I know you don't, but I used to love it so much when Benny Eichen was on, and then I kept it up this year, but no more. I'm not watching them anymore. They're fucking idiots. There's two. So David Ferner, and what about Neil Henry? I walked past Neil Henry in the mall the other day. I think he's just happy rolling around in his money. Well, he's fit looking. He was there with you, I presume. It was his wife, and walking through, and I nodded and smiled at him, and Simon said, why'd you say hello to him? And I said, he coached the Raiders. 
He said, no, he didn't. I said, he did for uh, two years. He's anyway. A, he's a very cool customer, Neil Henry. It's very short. I don't think I've forgiven him, though, for walking out when he did. But anyway, the Sharks will roll out the same side that down the Titans. Talakai and Hines returned from the Blues camp, riding high. Ronaldo Mulatalo also riding high. I think Talakai is going to be one of those one-hit wonders, I think. I don't think he'll ever get picked again. Uh, Dale Fanuke can be all the better for the run after coming back in round 15, and he's in as well. I'm, I'm tipping the dogs. Oh, I was going to say. Go, doggies. No, I'm going to go Sharks oh. just because you went dogs. If you didn't go dogs, I would have gone dogs because I think they, they're going to go good. But oh. They're, on a, they're on, a high, on a high. Yeah, I'm just looking at their <laughs> forward pack though. Paul Vaughan and Fatala Mariner. Well, Vaughan's got the weight of the world off his shoulders because he's got that new Super League contract, so he's been playing good. Mm, nah, Sharks for me. Cowboys Broncos at Queensland Country Bank 1800. All eyes will be on the Maroons contingent, Valentine Holmes, Murray Tulungi and Jeremiah Nanai getting through the match unscathed. Jason Tamalolo played 67 minutes for Tonga and he'll back up. Mid-season recruit Luciano Leilua officially joined the Cowboys during the rep round. He'll make his club debut in what will be his 100th NRL game. I didn't think he'd played that many, old Luch. Uh, for the Broncos, a huge boost with the captain Adam Reynolds returning from his rib injury. But I did see an article this morning saying that he's not 100% in the clear, so he might still might not play. It looks like they got Tyson Gamble. Back is he listed? Reserve. He's in the reserves anyway, so mm. I think that's a better option for him than poor old, uh, what's his name, Tyrone. Oh, Roberts. he had a great game last week or the week before. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I'm not sold on the bloke. Uh, I like Tyson Gamble, though. He's a loon. Payne Haas has been named despite an ankle injury in origin. Carrigan and Capewell played well over 60 minutes each in their games on the weekend, but they've been named as well. Selwyn, Cobbo, Staggs and Palacia have also been named. I think the Broncos here. Who are they playing? Cowboys. (laughs) Um, Oh, shit. Yeah, tough one, right? Local derby. Mm. Only only 1,500 kilometres separates them. <laughs> uh, oh, shit. I'm going... I'm just looking at that bench. Turpin, Hetherington, Flegler and Palacia. Uh, yeah, good bench. Very good bench. If Reynolds is back in, I'm, but yeah. I don't know. He's not 100%. He'll play. Uh, they'll, they'll needle him up. Can I say Broncos with Reynolds, uh, Cowboys without? No. you got to predict the future, mate. All right, I'll go Cowboys, even though I hate them so bad. Do you? Yeah. I don't mind them. Rabbitohs versus Eels, Saturday at Accor Stadium. Latrell Mitchell's back from a long injury layoff uh, for his first game since round five. So Cody Nicarima goes back to the bench and Blake Taft to the reserves. Damian Cook got through 46 minutes off the bench for New South Wales. He'll play. Cameron Murray copped the head gash, but played uh, past his HIA, so he's good to go as well. For the Eels, Parramatta only had Junior Parlour to worry about after Origin 2. He got through 43 minutes and he'll be right to go. Played good too. Forgot to mention Junior, he had a real good game. And well, when he's on, he's close to the best in the world. Dylan Brown, Nia Kore, Wanga Blake and Micah Sivo got through their test matches unscathed as well. And they'll be raring to go. Interesting one, this. Mm, very and uh, I noticed that Demetrio came out during the week and said that he hooked Ilias for his own good. 
and he said exactly what I said, like that if he had let him go on for another for the rest of the game and they got the shellacking that they got, then that wouldn't have been any good for him. So he's actually... Yeah, well, I suppose he could have walked off and go, oh, well, that wasn't my fault. Yeah. I was so... on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know whether he bounces back or if he keeps playing the way he did. Uh, Latrell back. Ah, Parramatta. Yeah, me too. It... Latrell... He'll be underdone, I reckon. Oh, underdone? Yeah. I think... <clears throat> that, well, I don't understand why he, you know, with with his, I mean, on on his day, he's the best player in the world. But you've got to look at recent recent form. When he comes back from injury or comes back from the preseason, he's he's pretty much useless. He doesn't really do anything. So why wouldn't you bring a bloke like him back through the Reggies to get a bit of game match fitness? Oh, I think they're desperate. It they're, just wouldn't desperate. They can't have Nikarima or Taff at the back anymore. They're desperate. Yeah, well, and anyway, they need I, to win I, too because they're sliding. Yeah, <clears throat> I hope they, I hope they win because I hate the Eels, but I can't see it. Anyway, West uh, Warriors, West Tigers, uh, the homecoming for the poor old Wazers who've been in Australia hating every minute of it for two years. They're back at Mount Smart. And Ewan Aitken is back on deck in the centres after he was out with a concussion. And Adam Pompey goes back to reserves. That's a good thing for them. Uh, Kator is the new face on the bench in place of uh, poor old Nams. Dinamis Louie mm. dropped. Forwards, Jazz Tavanga, Adam Fanua Blake and Bunty Afour all got through their test matches. So they'll be right to go for the Tigers. James Roberts is back. Wow. Uh, you know, he had back surgery. Um, and he played a couple of games in Reggie's, I think, but he's back. Um, Stefano is also good to go, as is New Brown, who's been named at hooker with Jacob Little being dropped. And Dewey, back on the interchange. Did he play last yeah, time? Yeah, he played last. Yeah, and so there was big news coming out that Luke Brooks was going to get dropped, and I think because it got leaked early, they actually lost their nerve and left him in. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen him get dropped. I think that was just a big... Oh, yeah, Fox yeah, Sports know, agenda. Anyway, I know, mate. But yeah, they couldn't. Was it going to flog them? You reckon? Yep. Oh, I'm going the Tigers. Okay. Yeah, I thought the Tigers for sure. It's a homecoming. It'll be so emotional. Yeah, but too much emotion. <laughs> uh, Dragons Raiders, the last game of the round on Sunday at Wynn Stadium in Wollongong for the Dragons. Ben Hunt's been named and be monitored after he got a leg injury in Origin 2. The Raiders will be hoping he doesn't play. He got twisted awkwardly in the second half but played out the match and will be crucial, it says he. Jack Whiten for the Raiders will return after he's recovered from COVID and Matt Frawley, the man to drop out. Chance Nickel Cookstart has been named to return from a hamstring injury on the bench and James Schiller drops out. Uh, he got a bad shoulder injury and managed to stay out on the field for the last five or six minutes against the Knights in that game two weeks ago. Uh, now, here's a stat for you. When Jack Whiten has played number six for Canberra this year, what's the winning percentage? 50. 27. Really? When Frawls has played number six for Canberra this year, winning percentage? 90. 100. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. The shoe man. <sighs> Well, I'm looking forward to this game, and I think the Raiders are going to win handsomely. There you go. And I, I can't, my only sticking point is I can't understand why Chance is on the bench. 
Because Ricky's a fool. Uh, uh, that just baffles me why he carries an outside back on the uh, like a back on the bench because maybe one in every ten games you might need it, but nine out of every ten games you need another forward. It's so stupid. I've hated. I, I, it. He I does it all the time. I wouldn't have Starling on the bench. There you go. I'd have Corey Hutterweir and Ira on the bench, and I'd drop Starling because I reckon they lose all their go forward when Starling comes on. I, I think. I think Germ Jr. can handle 80 minutes. He doesn't Absolutely. ever seem... Oh, he, he gets puffed, obviously, like everybody else. Well, but they're making 40 tackles again. Geez, they look well. worse when Starling came... But it was the opposite not too long yeah, ago. Yeah, I know. He was. He looked great, and Hodgson looked like shit when he was on. So, yeah, I think they just got to they just got to rip the band-aid off and just go, right, well, Germ's our guy. Because he is. They look good with Germ on the, on the ground. I'm going Saints. I'm going Raiders in a canter. I think they're... On the up. All right, round sixteen. I can't bloody wait. I love getting the footy back when the, when there's yeah. been an interruption. Well, even though tonight's going. Oh, see, see, Eagle Storm is always a little bit fiery, isn't it? The battle of Brookie and all that, but that's all simmered down now. I think. Well, there could be a blow up. There's some real idiots in both sides. <laughs> so uh, let's hope for a good game tonight and um, some nice snacks. Have you got anything lined up? Oh, have I got snacks? I've got lots of shapes. And it was, like I said, it was my wife's birthday, so we still got a few snacks back from there. <laughs> <laughs> She's a bit under the weather, though, so I'll be watching it by myself, eating snacks. Uh, I'm, I'm going to um, put the heater on and my Ugg boots and, and just luxuriate in it. And I hope everybody else out there in listener land has a wonderful weekend. Oh, and I almost forgot. Shout out to Justin. Justin Gus Ridding. G'day, Gus. I had a yarn to him the other day on the phone. He uh, listens to the show, he listens to this show, and he listens to Rock Rated as well. And Does absolutely he? loves both of them. He said he's got the exact right amount of time in his commute to work where he can put on the podcast, and he absolutely thoroughly enjoys it, and he looks forward to it every week. And you know what he said his favourite part is? He said, I really love the music you boys are putting on this week, this oh. year. So I said, oh, geez, I said, me too. Gus oh. is a real connoisseur. He's tipped me into some fantastic things over the years. Yeah, he goes, oh, a bit of Mavericks and a bit of... <laughs> I said, oh, I love it. And I said, you got any tips for us? He said, and he thought about it, thought about it for a good while. And he went, no, I don't think you're, I think you're doing the right thing. He said, I love how hearing a couple of Cowra words every now and then, so... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we've ever said Narrabung on to, on air, but maybe there's one for you, Narrabung, which Gus certainly isn't a Narrabung. So anyway, Simon, thanks for your all your support uh, to everyone who listens. Mark. Simon called uh, Corey Corey Horsburgh a Narrabung just last <laughs> night on the on the on well, the group Corey, chat. Corey's come out and announced himself he's ready for Queensland. When it happens, he says. When like, it happens. Like Ola Kawatu announcing himself in New South Wales, but then saying that they didn't want him to pick. But at least Corey's saying, pick me if you want to. Whereas Ola Kawatu just said, oh, I'm not available, Freddie. Oh, Corey wants to be picked. Well, you know what? He wouldn't be bad off the bench if he if he just hung onto the ball and, and didn't. Like he's been playing. No, he's too... He's been, well, I've got to give him raps. He's been playing pretty good. He's been hanging on to the ball and not doing any stupid off Sam, he's been okay. Yeah, Let's well, that's all, you can, like, that's all you can bloody expect from the bloke. Just like Adam Elliott. But you don't get... Well, Adam Elliott's not getting picked for New South Wales for being just okay. Well, Hudson Young wouldn't look out of place. Hudson Young, I agree with. He would go well at origin. I can't see Corey for Queensland or Adam Elliott for New South Wales doing any good. Uh, who else can't I see playing Origin? 
There's a few. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots. Uh, Schuster. But no, good on him. Because they did mention his name not long ago. In, oh, it was As Nick a bit Ennis. of a smoky. But Nick Ennis, I think. Yeah. Mick talk. might be his agent. Um, Corey doesn't even know that Mick's his agent. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, have a, a lovely week of rugby league and we'll see you back here again next Thursday. It's over, I know, but I can't